This is the Crescent Project, bringing you powerful teaching, testimony, and truth about God's miraculous movement in the Muslim world and how we as Christians can join Him in this kingdom work. I'm Matt Bonner, and I serve as a regional director with the Crescent Project, a national Christian ministry focused on equipping the church to share the gospel with Muslims. You can find us online at crescentproject.org. Greetings and welcome to Crescent Project Radio. Today we're going to be talking about reaching Muslim students on campus. This is an incredibly important and strategic opportunity to impact the Muslim world, as some of you know. Uh, this is really actually an area that Crescent Project is putting new emphasis on and actually developing new strategy around for our training and uh, conference focus. So joining me today in the conversation is one of my favorite ministry leaders we have out there, Tracy, who is a great friend of Crescent Project. Tracy has attended numerous Crescent Project events and conferences and also spoken at a number of others. And she's uh, actually been really good about bringing a whole bunch of people with her. So uh, just a little bit about Tracy. Uh, Tracy and her husband, John, have been married for 35 years. They have six children and three grandchildren. And they have lived in the Middle East for a couple of years. And Tracy has worked with international students in the university setting for over 15 years. And that's why we've got her coming on the program today. She had a lot of experience. Uh, but she's also worked with uh, Muslim women in her community. And as in talking with Tracy, she um, really believes that one of the keys to opening the hearts of Muslim students to Jesus is really just inviting them into your home and especially the kitchen. And so we'll be talking about that. About that. And she also believes another key is just celebrating life with, with international students. So Tracy's done some amazing things uh, with students, and she's got some really inspiring stories that we'll hopefully get into today. And uh, so we're excited to have you on. Tracy, welcome to the program. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks for, thanks for making time for us. I want to uh, just start off by asking how you got involved in this ministry. What what really gave you a heart to to want to reach out to to international students? Well, we had lived two years in the Middle East, and then when we settled here in the Midwest, and there was a local university with international students, we've just always been drawn to international students from the time we were attending university ourselves, and especially after living overseas, we knew what it felt like to be in a strange place, strange language, strange food, and so we just kind of, it was a natural thing to begin to extend hospitality to international students. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm sure you got a dose of, of, of their kind of hospitality living overseas, I guess, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> and it meant so much, you know, to be invited into a home where we lived overseas. I bet. I bet. Well, that's really cool to be able to see it from both sides. Well, can you give us a snapshot or just kind of an overview of the situation uh, right now in, in this country with, with international students, and, and in particular, you know, Muslim students on campus? What what are we seeing out there? Well, I would say at the university here, I've seen the Muslim student population increase you know, dramatically over the past 15 years from very few Muslims to that being the highest percentage now of where the international students are from, from Muslim countries. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Saudi Arabia in particular, when we came here 15 years ago, there were no Saudi students up until about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And so that just shows the increase from that country, but other countries in the Middle East and Muslim areas as well. 
Mm. Okay. And how many? Uh, what's the what's the number that the the estimate of of international students in this country? I've heard is it something like seven hundred thousand or nine hundred thousand? I hear I hear d- different numbers on that. Right. I think it's around eight hundred thousand, and if you include professors from other countries, then it, it goes up. So, right. I would say over eight hundred thousand. Wow, that is a that's a lot. And so, do you have any feel for? I mean, I know you said an increasing number of those are now Muslim students. Do you have a Do you have a feel for what percentage of those are are in fact Muslim students? Well, I know on our campus it would be over fifty percent mm-hmm. are now Muslim students. Sure. In the inter- international community. Okay. Now, one question we get a lot is when we talk about this: um, Why are so many Muslim students here? I mean, why? Why are they here? Why are they coming? Why, why the increase? Well, you can usually look at where students are coming from. Those countries have a good economy, or it could be the student's family, you know, is has enough money to send their child abroad, things like that. Mm-hmm. And in the Middle East in particular, of course, they have a lot of money from oil, and so it's important for them to have you know, their university students learn English, and so that's a great open door for America. Sure, absolutely. Well, so, okay, so give us some context about these students and their experience here. What is the typical experience for a Muslim student who comes to America to attend college? I would say for many of them, they've not traveled very far. Uh, I'm speaking quite a bit about the Saudi students because that's the number one uh country that we have our Muslim students from, Mm -hmm. many of them have not traveled outside of Saudi Arabia before coming here, so that's all new. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have, of course, a lot of culture shock. They, you know, are very maybe offended by some of the freedoms we have that lead to unhealthy behaviors, which, you know, as believers, we're offended by some of the things in our culture as well. Sure. And so they find it, I think, very... Uh, overwhelming, the freedom, the mm-hmm. choices, things like that. And also, there's academic articles that have been written about international students, and one of the greatest needs they have is loneliness. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Wow. Well, I can imagine uh, that's the case, um, not having family and so far from home. And Well, and then what's when they're here, I guess one question, too, is what percentage of them actually stay here in the country? You know, I mean, do most stay here or do they go back to their native country after they attend college? Or what's kind of what's the trend? Do you, do you have a sense of that? Yeah, I would say most return home. But there are some that will stay here. They have to go through another process to get the right kind of visa to stay once they're done with their university studies. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's not like they can just decide they want to stay and stay. They have to have a job and an employer that will, you know, work on getting them a green card, things like that. Right, right. Now, do they do they typically stay, you know, four years, or do, or is it? I guess it obviously depends on what, what college they're going to. But um, they are they. Here? Right. I would, yeah, I would say most of the Muslim students stay a minimum of four years. Maybe they come in for one year of intensive English before mm-hmm. they start in the regular programming. Mm-hmm. So that would add an extra year or two, depending how what level of English they come with. And so 
they might be here four to six years if they go on for their masters, then it's longer. Right, right. Now, kind of going back to their experience a little bit, I've heard that that many of them stay here through the holidays, uh, just simply because it's you know it's too expensive, the distance to go back home, things like that. So, is this not at the perfect time to invite them in and to share some Christian Christian hospitality? Yes, the holidays are a great time to open your doors and uh, bring them in. When we lived in the Middle East, I mean, we wanted to experience their holidays. What is Ramadan? What is, you know, Eid, all these things. So I think when they're here, they're also curious, and it's a great opportunity to show hospitality and open your doors to a student that may be lonely. Maybe the dorm is empty. Uh, So it's a great time to begin relationships. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen you've seen a lot of that. Have you guys started to uh, focus on holiday times in particular with with some hospitality outreach? Or yes, we do. We have some things around Thanksgiving where they can come to a home for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, in the past, we have had times where if they're staying and they want to leave the dorm and be in a home for the break between semesters, and we line up families. We've done things like that in the past, yes. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Now, I, I want and I want to get into that. I want to talk about, you know, some of those experiences you've seen. But I also wanted to ask that about just kind of the, the trend that, unfortunately, what I, what I hear is that many of them are actually never invited into a Christian home uh, while they're here in school. Is, is that true? I, th- I think I read a, a, a a study that said something like 99% of them are never invited to a Christian home. Is that is that right? Well, the statistics I've seen said 70% okay. of international students are never invited to, into a home, and I think that came from Billy Graham, so we know it's true. Mm. Uh, I've seen it documented elsewhere, you know, many places, and so that, that's a very sad picture of our hospitality, I believe, but where we're at, I've I think we have changed that to probably 70 to 80% of students are invited into a home before they leave campus. Wow. That so is, that's, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. That is amazing. And how long do you think that, the, how long has that taken to turn that trend around? We've been working on this for probably a good 10 years. Wow. And it just takes time to find families that are, open to having a student over, then their neighbor or their friend at church, you know, sees, hey, that's neat, and I'd like my kids to experience that, or so it can kind of uh, market itself or, you know, by people having a successful experience, and then others want to try it. Right, right. Certainly, certainly word of mouth, what I think would help. Uh, That's great. Well, we've also had a couple videos that I think believe people can get through Crescent Project videos made that show uh, families with students. And we had those made last summer, and one church in town showed the video, and they had 50 families sign up like, within a week. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that speaks to the power, so, of, the power of video to tell a story, doesn't it? Yeah, it was just a two-and-a-half-minute video and very well done, and it just, you know, showed how people's lives can be touched and it was very powerful and so we are looking for ways like that to also spread the word and and recruit more families 
No, that's awesome. Talk to me about also why not. I mean, you guys have really changed the scene there. But going back to the other, you know, the the, the other percent, the seventy percent that that don't get invited. Why why is there such a lack of outreach um, from 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 Christians and from just Americans in general just to, to reach out to Muslim students? What's what's keeping them from from being more hospitable? Well, of course, you have the misconception maybe that these students would be terrorists or involved in something not good, and so that can keep people away. Mm-hmm. We had a student once for Thanksgiving, he and his family, and he told us that they had neighbors in their apartment, and the children were the same age, maybe four or five, but the Americans would not let their little boy play with the little boy of the Muslim family. And it took about a year, and finally the wives started talking, and then the children were able to play. And later the American told the the Muslim, you know, I always thought you had a bomb in your pocket. My and I goodness. was afraid I was afraid to, you know, get to be friends with you. And so I think we have those misconceptions like that, and mm-hmm. they have misconceptions about us also, and... So it's on both sides. Right. And I do think it's not only directed towards Muslim students, but just in general, Americans are very busy and we don't take the time sometimes to think about those that might enhance our lives and we can enhance theirs. And so I think busyness and distraction keep people that are in the church from really reaching out the way we could. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think busyness really kills us. I mean, just we're all about our our own thing and what we're doing, and and certainly, as you mentioned, fear uh, certainly plays a big role, a big factor, an unknown. Um, I can imagine, especially for the Saudi students, I would imagine uh, for the Saudi Arabian students. Um, yeah, there was one family we matched with a Saudi student, and the mother told me they were, you know, a little bit afraid and. But now they have a very large family, like six kids, and their kids love their their Saudi student and call him brother. And so she said that they really had to rethink some of their misconceptions. And so, and then I think others see the example of that family with a Saudi student and how they love him. And so then other families are like, we would like a student also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just fantastic. Well, that's excellent. Well, it just it really seems to me that we're 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 missing a tremendous opportunity if we don't reach out and, and start engaging Muslim students. Talk to me about this. Uh why do you think this is so important? Why is it so important to reach out to Muslim students? Well, many of them are from very uh closed countries and you can't get into those countries without some kind of a job and so they're very closed off from the church. Maybe there's not even a church in their country, which is very true of many Muslim areas. Mm-hmm. And so here they are in America, and if we don't reach out to them, then in some ways this is a closed country too, because we're the ones that are closed. Wow. <laughs> wow. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's quite a interesting way to look at it for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I heard a speaker once say, you know, if he were Satan and wanted Muslims to be unreached, he would make people afraid of them. Mm. That would be one of his tactics. And I think that's very true, that 
people are afraid and they don't see the opportunity because the fear blocks blocks the vision of what what could be happening. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, let's and we I want to talk about that more later. Let's talk about um, ways that we can engage Muslim students on campus. Can you give us some ideas about how to begin? You know, if there's some folks out there listening and they're interested in doing this, how would how would they start? I mean, what would what would be some ideas that you know that they could kind of plug into? Right. Well, first thing is when students arrive, a lot of times universities are very busy and they don't have time to pick them up or they don't have a a real good program for airport pickup. So you could call the university international office and say, you know, I would like to help out with the international students. Could I pick up people from the airport or can I come in and meet you? They might want to meet you. That would be good. You don't have to say you're from such and such a church or anything like that, but just that you want to show hospitality as an American. Mm -hmm. And many universities would gladly, you know, take you up on your suggestion to help that way. And then once they're here, they might need ride shopping to pick up. You know, they're going to need quite a bit. So a lot of times we have shopping runs, take them to the mall or Walmart, Target, places like that, take them to the international grocery store, mm-hmm. the farmer's market. Uh, a lot of women enjoy like, the farmer's market, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we help them if they're looking to buy a car. Uh, we've had some bad uh, experiences by students. Uh, there's one girl that came and she bought a car on some kind of credit where, you know, it's like 20% interest and uh-huh. So they sign up for things without realizing, you know, she's buying a $4,000 car for $20,000 or something. So Ugh. we can protect them from things like that. They might need help finding housing if they're not staying on campus. Mm-hmm. Many of them want to get an international or American driver's license. So you can help them go to the driver's license bureau and get a driver's license book. Maybe they... You know, if you're really brave and you know them, you might let them practice in your car. We've done that before too. <laughs> Cemetery is a good place. Cemetery is a good place to let them drive. Oh wow! And um, so, and we're finding Saudi women are coming, and they want to get a license. Yeah. So that's a whole new thing for them. Sure. And uh, used furniture. Maybe they need halal meat. You can help them find where to get halal meat. Uh, show them where the mosque is. We've had students have medical situations they need help with. Uh, We had one gal with an unplanned pregnancy, and I'm sure it would have been very uh, dangerous in her country. She wasn't married if she uh, was pregnant. And so we've had situations like that, too. Yeah, that's major. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, that's a lot of great ideas. My goodness. And we could spend a lot of time on talking about each one of those. That's amazing. I want to go yeah. back to the, to the airport pickups. What a, what an awesome opportunity to be the first impression, right? To be a first impression of, you know, of an American and obviously of a, of a Christian American to the students, right? I mean, is that not, wow, that's a, that's a, to make a first impression. I think that would be a, sounds like a really inviting opportunity for us. Yes. I really think airport pickups are very, important and 
I heard somebody say that if you miss the first week, you, it's like missing half of a semester because that's when they come in and they have the most needs and you can really make a big impact. So we do things to help with orientation. Uh, we try to line up the friendship families. And in the past, we've had them meet their family at the end of their first week here with a some kind of an international food festival, picnic, something like that, dessert reception. Because it seems like if you can connect them with their family, with a conversation partner, before they get too uh, situated and have other friends and maybe some wrong influences, it, it just seems like you really get a head start if you can uh, capitalize on that first week of school. Right. Right, absolutely. That that seems like it would be really crucial. Yes. Mm. What you mentioned the language and, partners. You know, if you go to the airport, excuse me, if you go to the airport, take a bottle of water for them, mm-hmm. or you know, a map of the city, a welcome basket, things like that are very helpful. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, sure. The more we can kind of just get them assimilated, the better. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you mentioned language partners. How many? I'm just curious. How many are um, really needing that? Or you know, as far as ESL and learning learning English, or, or you know, what? I'm just curious as to how many are, are kind of ready or already speaking English, or, or a lot of them just really needing to to learn English. I would say it's about fifty fifty, and even if their English is sufficient enough, so they can go into regular classes. They still might want a conversation partner, mm-hmm. someone just to practice social English with, go to Starbucks, go, you know, bowling, do things like that, just someone to talk about the culture with. So we try to tell the English speakers that, you know, this is not tutoring, you're not grading their papers or <laughs> doing things like that, but it's more relaxed. Sure. And yeah. we ask about one to one and a half hours a week commitment and we do a training for that and so we have usually over 30 language or conversation partners matched up 30 internationals and then 30 american native english speakers wow that is fantastic that uh now, see, I think that could make a real Im- big impact there with just the language partners alone and that seems like a fairly easy thing to do yeah I think it is, and I I really uh, like the scripture that says he sets the lonely in families, and I feel that the friendship family is like the parents or the grandparents, the extended family, and then the conversation partner is like the sibling, someone their age who is a believer, who processes life as someone who follows Jesus. Mm -hmm. So they're seeing uh, Jesus lived out by someone their own age, and then also in a family setting through the parents, somebody their parents' age, maybe their grandparents' age. So they see a holistic picture of what following Jesus can look like. Wow. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And I'm gonna I'm gonna transition here. We're gonna we're gonna um, go ahead and uh, close out this uh, first part of the sh- uh, the interview because we're we're gonna break and, and go to the um, close out the show and then we're going to come back and, and try to do another part part two but uh, this is fascinating i i'm i'm loving hearing about all these ideas and we're going to pick back up with with friendship families and other things like international events when we come back for for show two so i'm going to uh, say a prayer to close out this show and then we'll we'll come back with uh show number two mm-hmm. 
Lord, we thank you so much for uh, Tracy and all of her work on campus with international students. We thank you for uh, bringing so many here and for the opportunity we have as Christians to reach out and to uh, to be ambassadors for Jesus. And Lord, we just pray that um, you would continue to bless uh, these efforts, and I pray that they would be multiplied, that many, many more people would want to reach out and uh, and share and just extend hospitality to, to the students who are visiting here uh, while on campus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And once again, this is the Crescent Project, bringing you powerful teaching, testimony, and truth about God's miraculous movement in the Muslim world and how we as Christians can join him in this kingdom work. I'm Matt Bonner, and I serve as a regional director with the Crescent Project, a national Christian ministry focused on equipping the church to share the gospel with Muslims. We believe we have a hope worth sharing. You can find us online at crescentproject.org. We hope you join us again next time on The Crescent Project.